It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. All right, welcome back in. 508-996-0500. And we are, we've got a lot going on today. We had big news to talk about this morning when the show started. We have big news that's broken during the course of the program. So let's get you caught up a little bit. First of all, the breaking news, if you missed it in the first hour, New Bedford Superintendent of Schools Thomas Anderson has been named the new superintendent of East Hartford Public Schools. Now, uh, Anderson is a native of East Hartford. He is a graduate of the East Hartford Public Schools. So he gets to return to his hometown. This comes after we have had um, multiple discussions in recent months, really recent weeks, about the possibility of Superintendent Anderson leaving. First, he was a finalist for the job in Newton. And from what it was portrayed as, again, I didn't talk to Superintendent Anderson for that story. I had reached out for to him for comment and he didn't return my email. So I was just taking that as a, you know, he didn't want to say anything about it, which is fine, understandable. But from the way that the school committee members that I spoke to for that story characterized it to me, they made it seem like, uh, first of all, they didn't find out about it until he was named a finalist. Or actually, I think it was a, I think he gave him a couple of days heads up. I think the, the announcement might have come on the Monday and he told them on Friday or Saturday or, you know, because... He told them when they told him. It was ahead of the press release, if I remember correctly. But the the school committee members that I spoke to said that they were they, they seemed to be under the impression that he wasn't actively seeking the job, but that because they hire recruiting firms to try to find candidates to be superintendents, that this this firm that Newton had hired must have um, zeroed in on on Thomas Anderson as a potential candidate, and rightly so. He's done a great job in New Bedford getting those graduation rates up, getting those dropout rates down. Uh, I think it was the last time they put out the statistics, I think it was a 90% graduation rate and a a less than 2% dropout rate, considering that only, I think it was 10 years before, it had been something like a 60% graduation rate. And a nine percent dropout rate. If I, I again, I know, might not be exact on those numbers. I'm just trying to pull them out of the out of my head from when I wrote the story about the candidacy, his candidacy for the Newton job. He was passed over for that. Someone else was selected, and you would assume that if he was just somebody who was put on the list because uh, this recruiting firm thought that he was a good candidate, and he said, "Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go and check it out. Sure, it's an intriguing possibility." If that's the case, if somebody's looking to bring you in, but you're you're not really looking to leave, you know that's kind of the situation that I 
thought that was being portrayed as. Then we received the tip that he was a candidate for the West Hartford School Department, for the West Hartford superintendent job. West Hartford being the community right next to where he grew up in East Hartford, Connecticut. Reached out to him. Reached out to the superintendent search people, the, the, the person from the school board, the company that was handling the search. And Superintendent Anderson told me he was not a candidate for the West Hartford job. And the superintendent, uh, the uh, so, sorry, the school committee member, school committee chair referred me to the company that was handling the search. They said they weren't going to comment on any candidates because they don't have to reveal finalists. They can just, you know, they can just give the recommendation and then the school department can just offer the job to the person. And, you know, thank thank you very much to them for helping me as much as they could. I mean, the, the guy gave me as much information as he could without being able to give me information. So he, he tried to point me in the right direction and be as helpful as he could, even though he couldn't give me exact information. And at the same time, Superintendent Anderson replied back and said, no, that's that's not true. I'm not a candidate for that job. I've never, I did not apply for that job. So I wrote a rumor killer article about it. Superintendent Anderson was upset that I wrote the article because he felt that I was feeding into rumors. That's, that's exactly what he said to me in his email that, you know, why would you feed into these rumors when the whole time he was actually a candidate for the East Hartford job? So don't don't try to portray me as if I'm 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 throwing dirt out there that's going to sully your name and that's going to make your job harder when behind the scenes you were actually doing exactly what I said I just had the wrong school department and I think again I think Superintendent Anderson is a great person I think he's done a great job I'm upset to see him go. I, I wish he had stayed here until his retirement. And I'm not, you know, butthurt over the fact that he didn't give me the accurate information. But at the same time, you it's hard to be sanctimonious like that when you're obf obfuscating the truth as well. But anyway, doesn't matter. New Bedford's going to be on the, on the search for a new superintendent with very few months to go before he's actually leaving, Superintendent Anderson will take the East Hartford job July 1st. So what does the New Bedford School Department do? Does the, what does the New Bedford School Committee do, rather? Does it, does it appoint an interim superintendent? It's going to have to because I just don't think you can get a search going April, May, June, three months, be able to find somebody and, and, and be able to offer them a job. I think that's a tight timeline. Especially here, where they will go through a process of identifying finalists, interviewing those finalists, and having a much more public process about it. Uh, again, I'm not, not implying that anything was sneaky in Connecticut. They just don't have to do that. And that's not the, the way that they do things in Connecticut. As it was explained to me by the company that was handling the search, Massachusetts and Connecticut handle these things very differently. But I don't think that three months, unless... Maybe if it's only going to be internal candidates, maybe three months would be enough time to be able to get that done. 
But uh, if you're going to do another nationwide search or regional search or whatever it's going to be, you're going to need time to identify and reach out to candidates. Because you can't just send them an email that's an essentially, you know, for lack of a better term, a gun to their head. Hey, do you want to apply for this job or not? Because, you know, we've we got three months to find somebody. You want to, if you have somebody that you think would be a good candidate that you want to reach out to, you want to give them time to mull it over. You also want to give people time who are looking for a position to have time to mull it over before they decide to send in their application for it. So I just think that it's not going to happen. And it could happen by September 1st. There could be somebody that just handles things over the summer and a new superintendent could come in September 1st. That seems plausible. It also seems plausible that you could be entering the next school year with an interim and that the search could continue through the year. I'm sure it'll be a matter of it'll take as long as it takes will be the uh, the answer that we will get. So I'm just uh, just checking because I'm, I'm having some email issues. Just checking to see if it's working on my phone, and it appears to be. So we are awaiting a, a statement from Mayor Mitchell, both as the mayor of the city and as the chair ex officio of the school committee, regarding the impending departure of Superintendent Thomas Anderson. So we can get your thoughts on that at 508 996 You can also send us a message via app chat on the WBSM app. Speaking of schools, we'll probably get into the Kayla Churchill uh, school committee campaign at some point. She is running for the school committee in the Freetown Lakeville district. Uh, she is, if I remember right, a Freetown resident. And they the way they do it there is that they have representatives from each town that, that sit on the school committee. There's two open spots, two incumbents that are running for those open spots. And then she's the third candidate. So there's it's, it's three people in the race for two seats. But, and again, I, I don't want to get into an ideological debate about what she thinks about schools and where schools need to go. We certainly could do that because I, I disagree with her on a lot of things. You know what I don't disagree with her on, though, is her latest post on her campaign page about, you know, needing to teach kids cursive. I also don't think the war on cursive is what people really think it is either. But I do think it's something that is worth spending time to teach kids. It, it didn't take, if I, if I remember correctly, it didn't take a lot of time. It might have been a couple of weeks that we spent on learning cursive. And I think that you can still give those those couple of weeks. So I definitely agree with her, at least on one thing. Uh, but it's not so much about her platform as it is the way that she is conducting the campaign. Some of it you can chalk up to, well, it seems like she's a you know first-time candidate. She doesn't really know the ins and outs yet. She's learning. You know, maybe the first run is a swing and a miss, but then the second time you come back stronger. But to, to borrow a line from Chris McCarthy, I just don't believe that you're a serious person. And, and we can get into some of that. But also, we have the story up at WBSM.com and on the app. Mayor Mitchell vetoing the three ballot questions that the city council placed on the November ballot 
um, by their vote, he has the option to veto those, and he exercised that option. He vetoed all three. Now, the, the council certainly has, at least from what it's been portrayed, has the supermajority needed to bypass that. Um, interestingly, I believe if I heard correctly, um, and if, you know, I know Marcus is working on a story, but if he's listening, he can correct me. But I thought he said that Councillor Abreu, Councillor Ian Abreu, who was not present at the meeting um, due to a family matter, that he was going to vote to support the mayor's veto. So he wasn't going to vote against the mayor's veto on any of those three questions. So that means that there's, you know, one person down. But if it was unanimous on a couple of those questions anyway, you would expect that it would stay the same. I don't know how much public sentiment will come into play in the councilor's decisions in in whether or not to abide by that veto. We'll find out. But the the idea, the concept was that they thought they sure, for sure had the eight votes needed to put the rent stabilization question on the ballot. Some councillors might have changed their mind about that, considering all the discussion that's happened since. Uh, the four-year mayoral term, it seems like that's going to be something that the council will, for the most part, be together on. But the CPA question certainly, I think, could go could go very differently if the mayor has opened up the door for some councillors to, to be against it, when some were already against it anyway, like Councillor Markey. But you can read the mayor's complete letter that he wrote in support, well, you know, in conjunction with his vetoes, explaining his position and taking taking the council to task for the way that it was done. Basically saying that this was done without public discussion. This was done without research. This was done without committee debate. That they were just placed on the agenda without uh, placed on the ballot without any consideration as to how they would actually be implemented. And he was very strong in his language in the way that he took the council to task for what happened. Basically calling them out for, first of all, for not doing their job by saying we're going to put this to the people. As, as he points out, you are elected by the people to set policy for them not to pass the buck on to them to say, well, you d- you tell us what to do when it comes to these issues. Now, that might be an oversimplification of the way that the council is trying to present it. And again, these are non-binding. So just because the, the, the city might have an appetite for any of these three things doesn't mean that the council has to work to put them into effect either. So it's not, it really isn't that they are letting the, the, the public set the policy. But, you know, that's that's the perception. And that's certainly something in the mayor's favor to say, hey, look, voters, shouldn't you, shouldn't you be expecting the council to do things for you? Other voters might look at this and say, no, I'm glad they're asking me what I think about it. And then he also, as he, as he put, begs questions about the council's compliance with the state's open meeting law because there was no discussion had about these or you know lengthy discussion had about these he's wondering how much of that work was done outside of the public's view so i again i'm not saying that i think that there are open meeting violations occurring what i'm saying is 
you've now had two prominent voices in the city bring up that possibility. Obviously, the mayor being far more prominent of a voice than Jack Spillane, no offense, Jack, but you have a columnist who brought it up as a possibility. Now you have the mayor bringing it up as a possibility, which also makes me wonder, does he know something? Does he know about maybe the way that these are being these things are being handled? Because otherwise, that's a strong accusation to make, which, by the way, Council President Linda Morad responded to uh, in a statement to me, and she was very strong in her wording about it. As she said, the overall message of the veto letter is degrading to the council's role in city government. The comments are demeaning to the work that my colleagues do in earnest every day on behalf of the residents and the accusation that the council was in violation of open meeting law without any evidence to support that accusation is very unfortunate. She also went on to say, I had hoped that some progress had been made in the past several months on mending the rift that has existed for several years now between the city council and the Mitchell administration. The unfortunate tone of this correspondence certainly diminishes that hope. So any inroads that might have been made, and I don't know how far those inroads were made in repairing that relationship. I don't know the ins and outs of how those conversations were going. Both the mayor and the council president had said on this program that there was, you know, there were, there was some dialogue happening. But now maybe we've gotten to the point where we're going to go back to radio silence. Not silence with us because they'll both still come on with us here on the radio, but with each other. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. So, Tim, I'm like I'm like two minutes behind because uh, I'm on the app, but I, I, I didn't hear what you said about the – all I heard was radio silence. Are you talking about the mayor and Linda? Yes. Yeah. So uh, – you know, now would be the best time for her to get on the show and take calls from the listeners. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that want answers. Sure. I can tell you that tomorrow you know, that won't be the case. Tomorrow she will have Councillor yeah, Maria Giesta with her. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I don't know if it's because she keeps bringing guests on the show because she doesn't want to take phone calls. Or is it because I know it's hard for you guys to do the phone calls with two people on the line. Well, we had, I, I think it, so. We had discussed okay. that uh, when she became the council president. Uh, we had a, a discussion about whether or not she wanted to continue with the weekly appearance, and she said that yes, she did want to continue with it, and that in pre when in her previous stints as council president, she had been pushing for the idea of having a segment. And again, I, I wasn't privy to those conversations. I wasn't in a management role back then, so I don't know, you know, who she talked to or what. But the she said that she'd been pushing for exactly the kind of format that we do where it would be the council president and another counselor talking about some of the issues that were there that week because she feels that it's important to give those other counselors who are the ones making these motions and and working and doing the work on these things to come on and talk about them rather than just her talking on their behalf right um i don't know i've been i've been i know i, I i'm not a i'm not a new bedford resident but i was for the longest time and i i i you know i would I I'd love to just listen into a segment. I mean, if you can get her on for like an hour, and just and just like, hey, you know, the phone lines are open. Call in. You right. know, ask Linda whatever you want to whatever whatever you want to ask her. And you she, know what I mean? And she promised me. She promised me last week. She promised me last week that she would do that in the in the near future. 
All right. I'll be waiting for it. All right. Well, I, I will be looking for your number on the caller ID first when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'd have anything to say to her. I mean, I'm really I, – I don't have any position to because I'm, I'm not a New Bedford resident, so – well, at but, least uh, at least you'll be listening. You'll be listening I'll with be, bated, I'll be, bated I'll be ears, I guess. Parents. Yeah, I'll let my parents know to call in. They're there you go. For residents, so. All right. All right Tim. Thank you, sir. Have Bye. a good day. Yeah. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Yeah, good morning. Good morning, Tim. How are you? How are you doing? You know, uh, the, the the owner and CEO of uh, TikTok, Shu Chu. I hate to cut you off, but we're talking about some very important local issues today. I don't want to start yeah, going well, off on a different tangent. Let me just see about that, the local issues. As long as you got this city council and this mayor, it's, uh, it's a train to nowhere. That's yeah, my comment on the city. Seems, seems, seems to be that uh, there's certainly at an impasse here. All right, thank you for the call. And uh, again, you know, not to not to um, belittle what the caller was going to say about the TikTok issue. I just don't want to derail the conversation that we're having right now, where you know we're 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 discussing some local issues here. I don't want it to to go in a different direction because we've got a lot to discuss with these local issues. If you are just tuning in, New Bedford Superintendent of Schools Thomas Anderson has been named the new superintendent of East Hartford Schools. Uh, so he is going to be leaving. Uh, he'll take that job as of July 1st, and New Bedford is going to be in the market for another superintendent. We have the mayor's letter that accompanied his veto of all three ballot questions uh, that were put forth by the city council, uh, in which he used very strongly worded language against the council, and Council President Morad responded with equally strong language. You can read that at WBSM.com and on the app. Kate now has the story up about Thomas Anderson accepting the job in East Hartford. That is now up at WBSM.com and on the app as well. And we'll also get into the Kayla Churchill candidacy for school committee in Freetown Lakeville as well. But i got to take a break right now. Uh, if you want to call in, 508-996-0500. If you want to hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app, that's nice and easy to do as well. We'll be right back. Welcome back in 508-996-0500. If you want to call in, hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. If you want to text in, let's go right back to the phones. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hey, how's it going, Tim? Good. How you doing? Pretty good. Hanging in there. Um, you know, what people need to keep in mind is Linda Morad um, wanted to be city council president. Um it's not like anyone else really ran against her. She basically wanted to be city council president. And in my opinion, <laughs> she knows exactly what she's doing. And I think she's totally okay with the, the complete chaos that she's creating here in the city uh, for a few reasons. I think um, basically she wants to watch everything burn because uh, she, she, she was denied uh, the office of mayor. And uh, to add salt to the wound, uh, she came in third place or whatever it is at the at-large race. And I know that sounds petty, uh, but from what I've seen myself and her actions in the city council and her behavior, the way she treated me and other people that visit that, that chamber uh, often, uh, I truly believe what she's doing is going exactly according to her plan. 
and I don't think she minds the negativity. I don't think she minds the press. I just, I wonder, you know, not not to, to blow holes in your theory, but I wonder no, then right. why did it take this long for her to launch this campaign against Mitchell then in this way? Because she lost quite a while ago and she's had, she's because been the council president I'm, since I'm gonna since then. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Because she finally has enough people uh, uh, to be able to, because you always need a certain amount of votes to get anything done, right? So now she has a few uh, naive, maybe, uh, or maybe just uh, unexperienced counselors, uh, young people, uh, vibrant young people, you know, smart, intelligent. But I think they're being led astray. And unfortunately, her power and her presence as a city counselor and, and, and as a, a pillar in the community uh, to some, I believe that she, they, 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 they're swallowing uh, her, her, uh, her, her, basically <laughs> hook, line, and sinker. And unfortunately, and uh, you know, it, it is what it is. And I don't see anything good coming from this. Uh, I don't know exactly what her long-term goal is here, but what I see is complete chaos since Linda Morad uh, took the presidency seat. And you're right. Uh, it took a while for her to, 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 to pull this off, but I think finally she has her body of five, which she mentions uh, quite often, and uh, maybe a body of six, depending who shows up to the uh, cafes after the meetings. Um, but, I, and this is my opinion, like I said, when I call in, I call in for myself. I really think this is her plan, and I think she's okay with the chaos. Um, and, and, and the way she does her show... That's up to her. I mean, it doesn't bother me whether or not she takes questions or not. Well, I mean, it's, it's I, ultimately it's up to me. Right, right, right. And I, right. I'm, I'm fine with it because I like having the other counselors' I mean, voices yeah, involved. I mean, yeah, just show if you think, you know, maybe you've got your reasons, whatever. I mean, that's fine with me. But it would be nice for her uh, to be able to, you know, once in a while come on and answer uh, constituents. And I won't be one of those people because... Everybody knows how I feel about her, so I'm not going to be... She doesn't have to worry about me calling up and, you know, trying to, you know, push my uh, feelings or whatever. I would just sit back and listen. I'm, in, I'm I'm very curious what questions people have for her and her answers, you know what I mean? Sure, so, yeah. That's all I, I have for today. I'll definitely be working with her to, to make that happen, for sure. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. That'd be, that'd be uh, an excellent addition to the show, you know? All right. Thank you for the call. Have a good day. Have a good one. And, uh, yeah, let me just let me call her, the next caller, I will get to you in just a moment, but let me just, uh, give a little bit further explanation as to, to what I was saying there. You know, it, it is ultimately my decision, uh, whether or not we have these segments. In fact, when I, and again, I didn't, I didn't take over this time slot. I was asked to step into this time slot. Um, I, I, was told that I was being promoted to assistant brand manager and that I'd be, you know, helping guide the direction of WBSM. And that's something that I was certainly interested in doing. And I was told that your first job is going to be to find somebody to, to fill in for Chris. Cause we, we we're, we're going to have, we're going to shift some things around. And we knew that Chris couldn't be here every day. And we said, you know, let's find somebody to fill that so that we, we don't put the pressure on of it being the Chris McCarthy show still when we know that he's, you know, not going to be able to be there because he's got medical appointments during the time of when that show would be on. So, then the next day they said, well, we would like you to do it. And so I, I was, I'd already been putting together a list of people that I thought would be good candidates for it. But, um, 
when they said, we'd like you to do it, I said, no, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. I was not looking to, to do this. But when I had that meeting with management, they said, you know, would you like to maybe reach out to the mayor and see if he wants to come back on since he stopped going on with Barry? But it's your show. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to. And I said, no, I would love to do that because I want to have the chance for the people that are listening to find out things going on in the city that we can't get to cover all the time. And that's why when the mayor comes on, I'm not interested in getting into arguments with him like some of the callers want me to. I'm not interested in getting into, you know, arguments with him to show him what I'm, what, what a tough guy I am or to challenge what a tough guy he might be. I'm interested in getting all the information, all the perspective on things from him that we didn't get during the course of the week. That's what I'm interested in doing because that's what benefits you, the listener. And the same with the city council segment. I want the city council president and the other councilors to come on because they can talk about things that we never get to go and cover in the meetings because we just don't have the manpower, the person power. We don't have anybody that's out there and going there. Can't make Kate work 24 hours a day. Uh, can't make Adam Bass cover every single thing that happens. You know, we, we have to have some select some selectivity in what we cover so this gives you a chance to hear about all kinds of things that we never got to learn about so that's why i i like that segment but yeah if if, you know council president morin has said she's heard the requests for her to come on and answer questions and that at some point she will come in and do that so um again the ball is in her court for that it doesn't have to be a regular friday it can be any time i will make time on the schedule except for my you know, other regularly scheduled guests because I want to be fair to them as well. But anything else that works on our schedule, happy to have her come in. 508-996-0500. You are next on WBSM. Hello. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing? What's on your mind? Well, uh, you know, listening to this about the mayor and everything, uh, I don't agree with the mayor and your people about uh, the four-year mayor term, okay? Uh, the only other person I've heard uh, of much more consequence than me saying it's not needed Scott Lang, okay, and that's a pretty big person to, you know, say, hey, we don't need a four-year mayor. So I disagree with that uh, issue, okay, and probably if it ever gets to having people vote on it, I would vote against the four-year mayor term. Two years is enough. Uh, The mayor's, um, you know, accomplishments is enough, uh, you know, to, to make people decide whether or not you want to see the mayor continue on, whether it be uh, Mitchell or somebody else, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, the CPA, yeah, I guess that's a good thing, okay? Uh, but again, this is all a tempest in a teapot because this is all non-binding. We're arguing over something that's a non-binding issue. When it becomes binding and it gets on the, uh, on, on the uh, vote, you know, you get a chance to vote on it, then that's when it makes a difference. But I would have to say that even though I disagree with the mayor on the four-year term, and I think two years is enough, and your, what you produce should show whether or not you, you know, you're campaigning all that two years because of the work you do, okay? Uh, but I would have to say about the mayor, I look upon him as Neo in the Matrix because he's taken on <laughs> the whole city council, and just like Neo in the Matrix, he seems to be outworking them, outpoliticking them, and there's, what, 11 people on the city council? Yes. Okay. So, again, there are some councilors that will come on, no problem, like uh, Ian Abreu, he feels comfortable doing it. Uh, Brian Gomes comes on, no problem. Uh, maybe some of the other councilors don't feel as uh, uh, comfortable doing that. The, uh, the, maybe- the only councilor that I haven't heard on the air in some form or another is, uh, is Councilor Baptiste. 
I, I, I've watched him on TV, too, and even that comment that he made, he doesn't seem to be particularly comfortable uh, talking, public speaking. He's probably more of the type of a person who likes to speak with people one-on-one and stuff. That's, that's just my impression from watching him, okay? Uh, so I understand that. But as far as uh, the city council, they have the opportunity to come on with you guys morning, noon, or night and say what they want to say, take calls, just as the mayor does. Sure. You know, I think it's kind of a little ridiculous that they have to hold Linda Morad's hand and come on in, in, a, in a pair. And I think it's a little ridiculous that she can't come on as Ian Abreu did and as the mayor does well, and take calls. To, that's up to, to her. Well, to be fair, during his segment with me, you know, when, when Councilor Abreu was the president, he only did that one time. Yeah, he, he came comes in on other calls. times. He yeah, comes, he does. He, he calls in at other times when, on his own. Which, we we, we were up against we were we were up against his you know basically his lunch break. I that's, understand, that's why. but he, he, even during a lunch break, he calls in. So the other counselors, yes, I understand they might be working or whatever, but they can come in on your station morning, noon, or night. Okay, uh, at, at late night they're sleeping, I'm sure, <laughs> and you you go on a computer anyway. Uh, but again, uh, this is the mayor versus 11 people, and uh, really, he out, outworks them. As far as his letter, yeah, he's a former prosecutor, and he showed it. He's prosecuting them. Sure. You know? and, and I may disagree with some of the things he say he says, and I may think at times he can be very arrogant, okay? But he's outworking them. Yeah. I, I have to admit that. You know? I'm going I'm to hold you there just because I'm right, against the friend. break. But I, I got I to just got to point out one thing first. Yes, you you made a Matrix reference, yeah. calling the mayor Neo. But yet, <laughs> are we completely going to ignore the other big story of the day? Thomas Anderson was actually Neo's name. <laughs> so there you go. It all comes together. We live in the Mr. Matrix. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. You're right. We live in the Matrix. All right. Okay, thank you for the call. Yeah, Have bye-bye. a good day. Uh, yes, that is the other big story. If you haven't heard about that yet, uh, check out WBSM.com and on the app. Kate has the story. New Bedford Superintendent Thomas Anderson has been named the new superintendent of East Hartford Public Schools uh, effective July 1st. Uh, caller, I saw you just dropped off there, but uh, I have to take a break. If you want to call back after that, 508-996-0500, or you can app chat us on the WBSM app. Be back in a few minutes. In 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in or app chat on the WBSM app if you want to text in uh, as Jacob Ventura did. Again, another former uh, counselor, uh, another former candidate for the War 3 Council seat uh, chiming in here. Um, the mayor is correct. The city council was again misguided in voting for the three ballot questions. The council has failed at their basic duty, which is the legislating and deliberating policy issues via the committee process. The council meetings are now nothing more than political theater that the public still can't stream live. The people of the city deserve elected officials that are serious about doing the real work to help New Bedford reach its full potential. So there you go. There's uh, another former War 3 candidate chiming in. And again, you know, keep in mind, too, we're just months away from uh, where somebody would announce if they are going to run again. I'd like to think that we will probably see a number of names thrown in the hat for the council across the board. And that that might be something that you're running the risk of. The council deciding to, to you know what, let's 
let's get into a war of words with the mayor. Let's 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 get into exercising our authority against the authority of the mayor. Let's let's get into it with him. That runs the risk of drawing out some candidates and maybe putting counselors at risk. We'll see how that sets up as well. We'll see who comes out, who runs, who runs for ward races, who runs for at-large races. If current counselors run for other positions, which is a possibility, um, we're hearing some lots of rumors about people who might be throwing their name into it for the races in November, people who may be looking for other positions, all this kind of stuff um, that's been going on. So uh, we'll we'll let you know as soon as things are official. We can't, you know, we don't, we don't, uh, rumors are not our currency here except for, you know, giving us something to salivate at the potential of talking about down the line. So if you, uh, again, if you missed the news, uh, a couple of big things that are going on. One, Mayor Mitchell has vetoed, as expected, the three ballot questions that the city council voted to put on the ballot in November about rent stabilization, about the uh, reverting the mayoral term from four years back to two, and about, uh, repealing the Community Preservation Act. Uh, he has vetoed all three of those. Now, the council will have a supermajority on at least two of those to be able to put them on the ballot anyway, so you'll still get a chance to sound off on it. But the mayor's letter are very critical of the council. Uh, council President Morad's response to that letter that she, she provided to me, very critical of the mayor's language. You can read all about that at WBSM.com and on the app. And also, uh, on both of those places, you will find the breaking news of this morning that New Bedford... Superintendent of Schools Thomas Anderson has been named the new superintendent of the East Hartford Public School System, uh, where he is originally from, his hometown, and the school system uh, that he came up through as a child. So he will get a chance to take that over starting July 1st, which means New Bedford is now in the business of trying to find a new superintendent with not much time to do so. Well, you know what you do have time to do, though? You have time to get yourself over to Raynham, to Barrels and Boards on Route 138 in Raynham to have a delicious Barrels and Boards meal. And of course, today, a day like today where it's a little bit gloomy out, a little bit foggy out, go treat yourself to something. Go treat yourself to some of that delicious bacon, candied bacon with the butterscotch that you based right on it, or or my favorite, the King Burger, or the Portuguese pizza, or any of the great meals that they have at Barrels and Boards. But then make sure you stop into the Marketplace which is attached right to the building. You don't even have to go outside to go into the marketplace. You can walk right in from the restaurant. You walk in there and you can go shopping for everything that you need. All of the stuff that you might go buy, you know, in the in the meat section of the supermarket, you can buy at the marketplace at Barrels and Boards instead and you'll get higher quality food for just about the same price. And it's all the same quality meats and seafoods that they use in the restaurant. You can take that home and make your own meals at home. But also you can get pre-made barrels and boards meals at home to make it super easy to feed yourself or the family just by throwing it in the oven. And, of course, they have frozen pizzas and all of their signature flavors and the case full of Montelio's desserts to treat yourself for after dinner. So uh, check it all out at the Barrels and Boards Marketplace. You can find them online, barrelsandboardsma.com. That's barrels, the letter N, boardsma.com. Or you can just go and visit them right on Route 138 in Raynham. We'll take our final break of the hour and be right back. And welcome back in. Uh, We're going to be going into the newsroom in just a moment, and then we'll get more of your reaction on the other side.